Who are you? Getting to know you. Who, who are you? Why are you here? Do you know it's me? Did you come to hear my voice? Is that why you're here? at my door who could they be looking for someone staring in at me tell me what is there to see in a world of strangers i've been here for a while ever since i was a child i got so much on my mind i lose all track of time in a world of strangers Picture of me 
Ms. Roby back at you with the Multiple Superbness podcast. And today I'm having a little bit of a mood swing and going back to a couple of months ago when I first met Percy. And um, it was such a wonderful thing to meet him on Clubhouse. So many things were happening during the pandemic in 2020, 21, and then 22. I just wound up having new friendships and new beautiful blessings in my life. And this is an interview with my friend, Percy Vision Soul. He's one of the folks that I met on Clubhouse that um, are blind, visually impaired, um, or disabled in some sort of way. I also did the D.A.R.E. Festival on the International Day for People with Disabilities, which was December 3rd, and that was based in Singapore. And this podcast right now is going to take you to <laughs> South Africa and a conversation, an interview that I have with Percy Vision Soul, so he can tell you about his project and what he's doing and how we're going to work together and how the world is becoming a smaller place. It's part of my Baha'i mission, part of my nine-year plan to outreach and connect with as many people as I can as many languages as I, as I can speak, I intend to speak in those languages and music is the language of this podcast right now. So enjoy this interview with Percy Vision Soul. He has an amazing group that you're going to want to know about. So here we go. So much 
and you left a beautiful message about it's Women's Month, it's Women's Day, and it was such a nice greeting yeah. that you put on WhatsApp. Yeah, the ninth, the ninth of uh, August, it's Women's Day in in South Africa. Um, when do you guys celebrate Women's Day? Um, we don't really celebrate women in the United States more than Mother's Day. Oh, okay. We have Mother's Day and Women's Day. Mother's Day is somewhere in May. Yeah, that's where Mother's Day is, but we don't necessarily have Women's Day that we celebrate on our calendar because America has had a hard time with women, especially black people in general. But, you know, it's hard for us here in this country to celebrate anything. And it's a shame that I'm a woman and I don't know what my country celebrates for women. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe one day there won't be a Women's Day that side. <laughs> we can just come over this side, you know? Yeah, well, you know, I was watching... Um, by the way, I'm recording this now as part of our podcast still. And then I'll edit everything yeah. out and stuff. But um, it's it's funny because I was watching for the first time. I watched the movie about Bill Cosby. Oh, okay. I've heard of the name, but I never actually checked out the movie. Well, you know, Bill Cosby was a very famous man because he was known as Mr. Huxtable on TV. And he had a TV show, the first one, about a black family in the United Uh, States that was like a middle-class family that lived in Brooklyn. The father was a doctor, the mother was a lawyer, and um, the kids were, you know, Rudy and Theo and all those names that we kind of got used to that family. Yeah. And he also had a cartoon. When I was a little girl, he had Fat Albert. Hey, hey, hey. It's Fat Albert. (laughs) So he did like all these kind of characters that were hanging out. And one of them was a fat character who would just, you know, try to get everybody involved and play games and all that kind of stuff. And Bill Cosby is the one that made that TV show. So when he was charged with drugging and raping women, it was very hard for everybody to accept that this famous father, he was known as the Jell-O pudding guy too here with commercials in the United States because he was always on TV like, oh, I love Jell-O pudding. And he he made a lot of people eat that shit. So... Uh, people eventually found out that he was like raping women yeah the women came out and the United States government said they were lying Mm. black men said they were lying and black Uh. women wouldn't dare believe that Mr. Huxable Fat Albert would be that kind of human being Mm. that would rape women and um, yeah. this one guy was watching, so they they sent him to jail, Bill Cosby, at 80 years old, because there was a court that found it to be true 
that he had been drugging and raping women because he said it. And he didn't know that they would be able to use his words against him in court, but they did. Because he was like, hey, you know, when you're famous and shit, and a woman's coming knocking at your door all the time, what do they want? They want you. So, you know, you make it easy for them. You give them a little something to make them go to sleep. Wow, but that's crazy. If they want you, they will tell you. You don't have to drag them. <laughs> so this is this is so. Check out America, though. Check out America. He was Mr. Huxtable. He was the father that, like, the father knows best. The first time the the United States had a black father on TV that everybody watched. Nobody wanted to accept that he was raping women. Black people, especially, did not want to lose somebody that needs to be our champion. But when, you know, and we had a woman that was like a lawyer, Anita Hill, back when Clarence Clarence Thomas became a Supreme Court judge, she was his clerk, and he was like trying to feel her up and stuff, and she spoke out. And everybody said she was making it up because he was a Supreme Court judge. He wouldn't dare be so disrespectful to women. They, did, they didn't believe her. Position doesn't matter. Eh? People it, it, in these high positions are the ones doing these funny things. Politicians, and the, and the crazy, Yo, the crazy thing about it is that politician Clarence Thomas is married to a white lady who passes laws against mm. black people having rights. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. And the black American people don't know how to hold him accountable. They say, oh, there's nothing we can do. He's a judge. There's nothing we can do. He can't lose his job now. He's in that job for life. He's a Supreme Court judge. He's the first black one. We're not going to lose him. He's the first one. Fuck that. He was like... He was disrespectful to women. Yeah, yeah, no. That's something else, eh? Yeah, so that's why we don't celebrate women's history. We have a month, I think it's April, or it could be the month of May, that in school, we talk about women that were famous and, you know, did great things for the history of the United States. Yeah. But, you know... The story of white women in the United States. There were other women here in the United States before the white people came here. And the white the white men, they like to chase skirt, you know, they like to chase women. So they they were chasing all of us women and poisoning us with their diseases and just all sorts of stuff that was not cool. But when you learn the history of your country, they give you it in the books the way they want you to learn it. Yeah, that's true. They say the victor is always the one who writes the history, so it just shows that the history cannot be trusted since it's written by the victor, right? It's written by the victor, but now look at you and me and look at this channel that you have going on on WhatsApp. It's supporting everybody all over the world. And it brings people yeah. all together. And we can talk about and do the work that we need to do to make these changes in the world. 
that's true. It's all about creating the new earth, you know. We're all part of that building the new earth that we want. There's, of course, those people who still want to hold on to the old world because uh, some, that's what they are comfortable with and others, that's what they benefit from, you know. So, <laughs> so there will always be people who want to hold on to things that no longer work just because they are used to it and that's how things have always been and yeah but you you know know, what some people are just afraid of change yes some people are definitely afraid of change but if people studied world history they'd understand that um you know white people they're the minority here and you know another thing that we also should try (laughs) to work on i know that's a that's a that's a guy called um Bill something. Mm, now remember his name. Uh, the guy, I'll remember his surname. The guy is also currently sort of not quite rewriting history, but he's definitely doing some research on history. The, the, true, the true history, the history that's not written in the school textbooks. And uh, that's where we perhaps need to start by actually studying our true history so that we know exactly where we came from so that we don't go back there you know that's the importance of history to study it so that we know what mistakes to avoid in the future and the thing about real scholars is that they can find really messy tracks and find the truth in Mm. messy and this is a truth that people have not wanted us to know about because everything they've done is to make sure we can't read we can't write we can't get together look at apartheid you know they just broke up tribes and then they wanted to say like yeah you're not you're not and you're not and you're not but you're this and you're that it's like you're and then our own people wind up playing that game with them because we are so desperate to have like a crumb of food because they deprive us from the crumbs of food on purpose. And there's plenty of black people yeah. growing food. There's plenty of black, there's so much land in the United States. Most of the people that are awake now say like, don't trip on the history, but deal with the present. Take your money and buy some land somewhere and protect your shit. Cause they're coming for you. And there's plenty of reasons. But, people let can me tell you something also just as shocking. Yes, uh, here yes. in South Africa, over ninety percent of the land is owned by the minority, and the majority only of like five percent. And the majority are like a majority by far, you know. Yeah. But the minority of over ninety percent of the land. Same thing in the United States and the Central Americas and the South Americas. It's the same story. We don't own the land. We had the land that they took from us. And then they want to buy and sell that shit. It's not theirs to own. It's not theirs to own. And then this is something that's also mostly shocking to others because that's that's why some people don't actually celebrate Mandela in South Africa. I mean, Mandela is very famous globally. But here in South Africa, there's actually some who don't actually like see him as a hero. And the reason for that is because 
they believe that they actually sold us out. You know, when um, apartheid was being negotiated to end, he was kept under house arrest where the, the white government kept on visiting him, making him sign stuff and then having meetings with him behind closed doors. And then at the end of those meetings, what happened is that um, the black government, the ANC that got in power in 1994, basically they were handed over the keys of the parliament buildings, the union buildings, basically just um, the, the, the skeleton of the government, but they were not given the economy and the land. Disclaimer for this podcast is that all these words are coming from me. This is an interview between myself and a peer of mine, and it's very, very candid and truthful. It is not um, promoting anything other than love, respect, unity, kindness, friendship, humanity's oneness, because that's all that is the truth. I might mention color of skin, but it is not the main point of this podcast. It just happens to be one of the visual aids of the conversation. This is my disclaimer. These words are my own. And um, good luck to you. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to add any of your comments, please include them in this podcast. So the most important tools that would have gave us the freedom that we needed were not given to us. The land and 90% is still in their hands in the minority sense. And the economy, all the banks are owned by them, the whole economy, all the big businesses, you know. So um, we didn't really get anything except um, the freedom of not to get shot out in the streets and stuff, but um, in regards to the economy and the land, it wasn't given to us. So um, it never is. People are still very much in poverty. It never is. And as you study, as a historian studies back over these truths, you can understand where that came from. And this is why Malcolm X came along to say by any means necessary. We want to take this shit back because you're not going to give it back to us. You're not because you're too afraid that you're going to be dead in like two generations. Your little white skin will be dead. Dead. You, you, excuse my language, but you F another black woman and make another brown baby. And you're another, you're another generation from being here. You just made yourself disappear. You just made it with the dominant gene. You're going to be out. And this is the truth that they know, that they can't fight. You know, look at look at this guy, Elon Musk. He wants to go to the moon. You know, he wants to go to Mars. He wants to go anywhere else but deal with the problems that his ancestors created. Yeah, the problems here on Earth. I mean, he wants to go colonize Mars. And then what about the issues left here on Earth? What, what about those? What about cleaning the oceans? I mean, he's got so much technology. You could have made something to clean up the oceans but he didn't but he didn't because that's not his nature and this is the this is the triumph of god on on the world on our lives is whatever we define god to be it ain't white 
It's not a suppressor. It's not an oppressor. It's not mean. It's not trying to kill people. It's not trying to hold resources. It's not trying to take people's tribal lands. It wants people to be where they are. We're all over this planet. Brown skin is all over. We're here on purpose. We're the majority. And they are less and less with every year. So it's going to be interesting to see what we're all doing now who are aware of this. To not talk about the past and how this was wrong. We know it was wrong. We know it was so wrong that a father on TV, a very rich man that was successful in the system of white people, just broke laws and got away with it. And nobody cares because the laws were damaging our people. As soon as they think somebody black is hurting white women, whoa, they're going to kill you. Whoa, they're going to catch you. Whoa, you're arrested. Whoa, they make a law. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a quite an interesting time, man. But it is. Yeah, things are changing, and we're part of the change. We That's are. Nice, we you know? are. We are. And I love what you're doing on WhatsApp. So tell me about this group, this ecstatic group that you have had the power to put together. Because you sound like a DJ so sometimes. Ecstatic, ecstatic music is a, a WhatsApp group. Um, for visually impaired musicians uh, and the musicians include DJs, producers, vocalists, instrumentalists and we also got some uh, poets and comedians as well as uh, voice actors so we got voice actors as well and um, a few dancers as well and uh, a model, one model so uh, it's basically just um, talented, visually impaired individuals from all across the globe. We got people. Um, currently, we have people f- uh, from quite a few countries here in Africa, yes. uh, including uh, Zimbabwe, Botswana, uh, Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, uh, Malawi, and um, Rwanda. Uh, what else? Um, what's that? What's that place? Gambia. Uh, so it's quite a few places, uh, countries here in Africa, and uh, uh, globally we got uh, the USA, of course. Uh, you know, Florida, New York, and so on. Uh, we got uh, the UK. We got uh, the Philippines and uh, India, as well as Jamaica. And um, yeah, that's the countries we have uh, so far, and that's overseas. Um, so yeah, we just you know gathering people from all across the globe uh, who got talent, and uh, the main aim is for us to actually host events that um, will be sponsored by the government. So we still need to uh, write a proposal to the government in regards to that. We just wanted to get our paperwork in order before we approach the, the department, um, department of arts and culture you see so um, yeah that's the main aim for us just to host events and then get all those who are across that globe to come and gather in one place and just you know 
show the world what we all about you know show the world our talents what we capable of you know so uh, that's what that's what the main aim is it's sort of like a global movement well you know? yeah it feels like it's a global movement because i've watched it grow i mean has it even been a year that you've yeah. been building this has it been two years or well it's it like... uh, officially started started in 2020 2020. Um, a couple of months after the corona started, you know, <laughs> you know, when everyone was under lockdown, everybody was like, okay, what can we do online, you know? Was and uh, I was, just had the idea that okay, let me start a group on on WhatsApp. Was Clubhouse part of how you were encouraged to connect with everybody more? No, actually. Um, I only got on Clubhouse last year in June, so uh, it was about a year later after the wow. group was started. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, it's such a a unique community that you are assembling, and it's definitely needed because it was missing. You know what I mean? So when I yeah, look no, at my life, like yeah. it's it was missing no wonder and i'm always like checking in with everybody now and i'm like this is my group these are my people here yeah yeah you know and what i'm, I'm also glad that so far we we had a few collaborations happening and there's some people also just working together like um in in the background you know behind the scenes people who are communicating and doing stuff together so that's that's what it's all about um, getting the visually impaired community together so that we can collaborate and uh, yeah we'll do some magic together you know yeah so um, definitely well just yeah, the, just the whatsapp group is so encouraging because everybody's able to leave a message or leave something and it just is like a, a leg up everybody's message is a leg up to one yeah that that the ecstatic music uh, movement is actually on uh, quite a few platforms but um, the most active currently is the whatsapp and the facebook group the telegram group is a bedormant uh, the ecstatic uh, zone on the clubhouse is also a bit dormant but I'm, pl- I'm planning to revive that and make it a bit more active So we are on Clubhouse, we are on uh, WhatsApp, uh, Telegram, Facebook, and um, yeah, that's uh, oh, and uh, YouTube as well. So uh, yeah, that's the platforms we we are on currently. That's that is just so it's so amazing. Since I've moved here to Portland, I noticed that there is a dance group and a static dance group and sometimes um, they are listening to Bluetooth music so people can wear their headsets and then sometimes the speakers are also playing it loud just in case you don't have Bluetooth or whatever but I just thought like and then there's like a, a apparently there's like a spiritual movement of a static dancing where people go to a church service and dance and I'm like, oh, interesting. yeah, right. It's very interesting. But when I saw aesthetic music, I was mm. like, I'm not a dancer. And I love music. And I, 
and I have to go out with my walker and my cane and all that shit to go outside in the park to dance. But when I found your group on WhatsApp, when I found you in Clubhouse, I was like, wow, this is a great app. Vincent Percy, a wonderful person. You'll hear more of that interview that we're doing after a couple of commercials and some other information. So stick through till the end. Thanks for coming by today. Here we go. Let's keep going. I can just reach out to people on the other side of the world and you feel like you're right here. And and that was beautiful. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so if there's anything I can offer to help you with the group organization, please let me know if there's something I could do from where I am here in the United States or online. I'd love to help you. For sure, definitely. We will definitely gonna be needing your help soon. So, uh, yeah, we just, as I said, we just need to get our paperwork in order and then um, approach the government. And then um, from there on, that's when we will be basically forming a sort of like a managing group. And uh, I would like you to be part of that, you know, because, um, the managing the managing group will be responsible to just make sure everything is in order. Um, that because I mean we will be getting people from all across the globe to come to SA and uh, perform at an event and uh, you know yeah. So yeah, we just need that kind of uh, collaboration and uh, to understand you know um, what we need to know. Because we don't know in, uh, or everything at this moment, you see. <laughs> yeah, it's all coming together. So much. It's all coming together, yeah. but it's coming together so beautifully and so divinely guided. You know, you you, you did a yeah, good thing true. for us to to gather us all together because, you know, when I was on when I was first on Clubhouse, people would say like PTR, do this, do that, and I'd say I don't know what you're talking about could just slow it down and then finally clubhouse came out with like accommodations for people that have any kind of challenges whether they're visual or oral you know whatever your challenge was clubhouse was going to open up the platform to be more accommodating yeah and yeah like i think there's captions which is great if you can read people that are talking fast captions. Um, but it's not, Oh, that's nice. Yeah, but it doesn't help people that are visually impaired. Like, even if my, I was... Because I'm low vision blind, like, I can see partially, but I can't see, like, captions. In a conversation that's, like, everybody talking at the same time really fast like this, and then they're trying to make captions out of that. I was like, this is not a good idea. But what else is this platform? Because this is an audio app. And then there's Telegram. Then there's, you know, there's a few apps that are made for us to find a way to use them as our tools. So when I was seeing you, I was like, and then you and I were like, let's do something together. I was like, I'm not dead. I still have, (laughs) you know, I still have life. I remember the first time when I met you, um, what was that room? You you played your instrument, one of your instruments. Yes. Mm, 
Yes, that's what attracted me. Like, wow, wow, that's super, super. Because it got me in like a trance state. Like, wow, you, you know, I was really blessed out by the way you are playing that um, instrument. So I was like, I really need to know this woman. I really, really need to know this woman, you know. And uh, when I, you know, shouted you out, you are so friendly and uh, kind. And I was like, yep, that's definitely the person, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember that day. I remember that time. Yeah. I just can't remember what that room was called. I can't remember what that room was called either. But I remember that you were somebody that I still know from that room. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the room or the group of people that were in the room. But somehow, I've managed to keep our friendship. We don't lose track yeah, of each other. Yeah, yeah, you know. I lost track of a lot of people, you know, on Clubhouse that I really liked. Uh, but I started to notice when I would come onto Clubhouse, people would say, oh, Robbie, you play that instrument, like you just said. Uh, could you please play for us? And I'd say, oh, okay, let me, let me get myself ready here. And then next thing I know, the subject will change. And they'd move on to something else. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you don't play that instrument by just picking it up and playing it. You know, none of my instruments I can pick up and play. I have to meditate before I play. I have to... Yeah, no wonder you you got me in such a trance state, you know, because you... I could feel that you are also in a zone and you just took me along with you into that zone, you know? So that was quite interesting. (laughs) Yeah, so that's why Clubhouse wasn't working out for me because when I, you know, so I learned how to like cope with somebody like saying, play music and then leaving me to not even come back to me to the point that I could, I have to say like, hey, you know, this is Robbie. I'm still here, ready to play that music if you want. And then the person will say, oh, right, yeah, you know, Robbie, your music is so this and that and that and this. Yeah, you can play right now. And then I'm like, shit, okay. Then I got to go back to my little meditation quick now because it was like, it was just difficult for me to like be in that spiritual place. Yeah, so some people don't, don't understand how we operate as musicians, you know, especially care. those who are not musicians themselves. They don't quite understand that we need to get ourselves into the zone yeah. in order to really do. It's, it's sort of like we're channeling our music, you know, it's, because it's, we, it's a prayer. We need to... It's the language that we pray yeah. in. Some people pray in tongues. Exactly. Some people pray in song. Some people pray silently yeah. in meditation. And we yeah. form musical sounds. We we form exactly. the vibrations that are healing. Exactly. Because that's that's me as well on the keyboard. Like uh when we busy producing and I'm, I'm with a co producer, they were expecting me to just play something on the spot on like, but give me time, you know. Let me just get into that vibe and just, you know, and then I'll get into a vibe and I'll play something and then um, they'll say stop and I'll stop. Then after that, okay, play again. I'm like, okay, but you have to give me time. And they would be like, but we just gave you time and you just play. So people don't quite understand how we, how we have to get into the flow, you know? They don't. And boy, when I was starting to get cut off, like I'd start to play something. So then like God is with me, the music is flowing. And then the person will say like, wow, Robbie, that was really great. And they'd either mute my mic 
or they would just start talking to say like that was really great Robbie isn't Robbie wonderful you know that, that makes me want to introduce blah 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 and then I was like oh you didn't just interrupt me you just stopped me and I'm like, yeah, you can't mess you know, with God's like, prayers. You they can't... just jump into the mid-flow, you know. <laughs> the midst of if that's the metaverse, then I'm scared of it. I'm not interested in going there yet. I'm not interested. If that's the metaverse, yeah. if that's where people's minds are in a place that nobody can see, um, yeah. No, you know, what, what I realize is that people are sometimes a bit too, that they're, they're mentally too overactive, they're yeah. constantly thinking, so they, they can't really get into the music and feel it physically, yeah. you know? They can't. They, they, they listen to it mentally, Yeah, and that's or, not the way to listen to music. Or they're already ahead on the, their next thought, so they yeah, their ears couldn't know? even receive the music, and I tell people that all the time, like, don't cut your ears don't undermine your ears. And they'll say, like, why did you say that? And I said, because your mouth is flipping and your head has a lot of things in it. You know, like you got a lot of things that multitask. Like, slow down the multitasking. Shut up. Close your eyes. Concentrate on breathing and let your ears work. Yes, you know. Um, I remember this one, um, she was a vocal teacher back at uh, UP. Mm. She was like, you know, try to listen to the music of your whole body. Don't just try yeah. to listen with your ears. Like, imagine that you, you receive the sound through your whole body. Like, the pores in your skin is receiving the music. Every you know? atom. Imagine your whole body is the ear. Every atom know? activates. And it's so relaxing when you do that. Yeah, because our bodies are electric. You know, if we can connect all yes. of our circuitry, we'll have a cool currency running. It, you know, if you think about our currency, our bodies being electric, Clubhouse, when we first started there, was like full of energy that was popping off so much that you couldn't find a current. And when you'd find a room that had a current that you could float in, that would be a good room for you. You know, like if that's a currency that I can float with, am I going yes. downstream or or is this trying to make people go upstream? And there were a lot of rooms that were trying to push people upstream. And you got to go with the current. Yes, you got to go with the flow. You got to go with the flow. You know, that's why the, the, the rooms that are too well thought out that, okay, this must happen and then after this is this and then after, you know, those are rooms that are a bit too straining, but when the room is not planned and the flow is just allowed, that's the current right there, you know? Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. And I've just watched humanity learning how to be on Clubhouse because people had to learn how to talk to each other. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we really, I watch people, look, I've been singing to kids for 40 years. I know how kids don't listen. And I know how they listen yes. when they're talking. Because that's an amazing thing you can do as a kid. You can do like three other things at the same time while you're listening. Yes. Now, will you remember? No. 
not necessarily yes you might absolutely remember but then people would think like this kid just didn't even listen to me you didn't listen to me and it's like no I did listen to you you said the same shit you always say I heard you you know like my brain is that smart that I heard you I processed it and I moved on because that's what children do they move on but adults man adults get stuck you know they're like hey I'm not moving you know like you come over here to where I'm at because you're over there in the wrong spot it's like yeah but you're, you're, you're in quicksand you're sinking in quicksand that's fine this is my quicksand no it's not that quicksand was there already you just stepped in it I don't I didn't step in shit I didn't step in clubhouse so I you know so when I was with the ecstatic music on whatsapp I was like oh my gosh I need to be here not on clubhouse because Clubhouse didn't have any accommodations for me. Yeah, no, that's true. Accepting music was, um, I had a program um, previously, mm-hmm. a weekly program that we followed. Um, but then um, when it started growing and, you know, people are no longer really interested in following the program. So I just said that, okay, just, um, you know, Advertise yourself what you're all about, you know, and uh, send a song now and then. And the DJs send in the mixes, and um, those who want to send in the songs do. And, uh, you know, so just now it's just more of a self promotion type of platform currently. I love it. And then uh, when we get our stuff together, like when we start um, hosting the events, it will be more of a more of a family you know because then we will know each other more personally after we get to meet right yes so it will it will its structure will also change so it i've watched i watched it change so many times over this past couple of years you know first it was this formal well-structured group that does like a specific activity each day that we all do I remember when it started, we, 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 we would like sending songs and then vote for the best one. And then <laughs> the, the song that got the best votes would then win at the end of the day. But then because um, our time zone started um, diversing too much, we didn't really have a, a day anymore, you know. <laughs> it's like because a 24-hour radio station. Outside, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like a 24-hour radio station because like no matter when you go, you can just go way back or you go right now and you're going to find something that's relevant. And I think what you've done yeah. is you created a space for artists, black artists in particular. And it didn't it wasn't like you did it on purpose. It's just that that's what came to the top. It, the cream rose yeah, to the know, top. It, it just it just manifested itself almost. Yes. You know, I just came up with the name started the group and then from there on it just took a life of its own yeah it because the spirit of god got involved and that's why god is a mystery because we don't know what this is we don't know why some things work out some some things are horrible we don't know why apartheid and racism and all that stuff exists 
We didn't make it. We didn't cause it. How do you find logic in it? You can't. All you can do is be humble like we are and just look up or look wherever you look for creator to have an impact in your life to say like, this makes no sense. This feels horrible. How do I, how do I wake up tomorrow? And if I don't, I won't care. And it's yeah, like, we no. care, you know, That's we, we want to wake up tomorrow. So yeah, God is going to let us have some dreams at night so that we can get some ideas about how to wake up the next day. Before it ends, a few words from our sponsors. All right, you're all tuned up. We've made it to the end of the interview. Percy, why don't you finish it up and close us out? And then all of us black folks, you know, we always have some dreams about a better day. (laughs) We're not hard to come up with a good dream. And, you know, know. right? Yeah. Yeah. And we got got our hands, we got our mouths, we got our feet. And all of those are just tools we can use to create that better tomorrow, you know? And we come with the history of our ancestors. You know, and that was the beautiful thing about marrying a South African was that I was able to adopt the Zulu culture because I wasn't sure of my own culture. And by becoming Magoti, becoming a wife, I realized after a couple of years, like, this has nothing to do with my Choctaw heritage. This is very different from the reservation. And then I was like, I never looked at myself as a Native American girl. I never looked at myself as a Choctaw. And then I married a Zulu and I was able to see who I am because I wanted to teach my children Zulu. And when I was looking at how to teach my children Zulu, research showed that children learn their mother's tongue. They start learning it in utero. They, they learn the sound of language from their mother. And then... Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, so Makes I'm sense. trying to teach my kids Zulu. And they learned Zulu with an English-American accent. As good as I was trying to have a Zulu accent. And then when they were speaking English, they spoke with a Zulu accent. So they would say, Mommy, Daddy, what is for breakfast? And I'd say, what? Mommy, I don't know what you said to me. Daddy, what did mommy say? <laughs> and that's what I was glad that I was a children's artist because I was like, okay, you see the problem here. You are not the native tongue and the tongue that you speak your daughters will be speaking English fluently. You need to learn Zulu and you need to become fluent and you need to this and you need to that. I had a new to-do list for myself 
But my to-do list was saying that in 2023, I wanted to go somewhere else to live. And I was thinking that it would be Costa Rica because I had looked at the map and there's a tribe of people that I like down there. But um, I'd really like to see my grandkids again. And I kind of miss my South African family. Now that I'm divorced, I called them up and I said, hey, I think your uncle and I are divorced. And they said, auntie, it doesn't matter to us. Yeah, that's true. The, the, the African cultures are quite different. Even totally different. Divorce, you still remain part of the family. Part of the family. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my mm, gosh. You know? So, yeah. That, yeah. That's how it is. You will always be part of the family. Yeah, exactly. So when I was meeting you and we were doing this music together, it was kind of like, change that date on your calendar. It might not be 2023 that you make it to Costa Rica, but you can make it to South Africa in 2024. You need a little bit more money and you need to get rid of a lot of things. So it will take you another year and a half to do that so that you can transition out of this culture to South Africa. And I'm like, wow, thank you God for that idea. That's really scary. Thank you for that wake-up call. Whoa. Whoa. And then I was like, why did I make this podcast interview with Percy? Because I just think that this is part of my future, that I'm I'm supposed to know you. We met in the little past that we had, and we're talking today. Yes. And we're making plans for later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I can't wait until that day when we're in a studio together and you playing your, your instruments and, I can't you know, I'm, I'm recording and uh, I'm mixing up of some deep house tunes, you know, oh. that will be quite interesting. I can't wait to work with musicians that want to work with me, you know, and, and <laughs> like my Zulu King, mm. you know, my Zulu King was like, Robbie, you know? You don't play the piano like uh, you should play it like this. You should play it like that. And it's funny because the song that went on our Grammy-nominated album was a was a song that I was trying to write in a South African style that my husband did not like. He was like, "It's one, five, one, four," and I was like, "Sorry, I played one, four, five. He was like, "No." No, he says it's one four one five one four one five, and I'm like, I think that's it. Felt different than I think it was. Blues is a little different. Blues is one. Well, I think blues is one four one five, but in the the township, it, it was I think it was one then to the five, then back to the one then to the four. I don't know. It was just kind of like reversed. So I kept playing it in the reverse order. And as the bass player, he was like, we need another piano player because you can't play this song. And I'm like, I wrote this song. He's like, you're playing it wrong. And I said, okay, let's let's bring you, it. You are just mixing it up of your own flavor. You I know? just we, mix we it up. So, <laughs> so when I put it on the record and I had to listen to it for the record and then I had to make a video for it. Mm. And I was like, 
Oh my gosh, I kind of get South African music now, and I'm hanging out in your room, in the ecstatic music room, so I'm hearing like a lot of music. And there's, I'm a piano right yeah. now, you know, so it's like, ah, I, that's out of date, my song. My groove was out of date. It's out of date now. Like, I could remix that song. And I could find a DJ that could remix my song. I can find a DJ mm, that can remix mm. all of my music. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the nice thing about content. Once you have the content, you can do anything you with it. You can do anything with it. You know. You can do anything with it. <laughs> that's true. And I'm just so happy mm. to be around a group of people that you've put together and that everybody's pulling together like we are. And I'm so glad that you were able to take time to tell me more about ecstatic music. Are you um, encouraging others to come through the group? Do you want to do any promotion about that to collect some more musicians that are really challenged? Of course, of course. Yeah, we we always looking for some uh, musicians to join the movement because it's really all about the movement. eh? We just need to get people to know what ecstatic music is all about, you know. And uh, also, the name is very important, ecstatic music. It's all about being ecstatic. Ecstatic. You know. (laughs) Yeah, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Mm, It's all about being ecstatic. Yes. Well, thank you, Percy. Yeah, and I love it. You know, and for me, with my my life coaching, because I'm also a life coach, I realized that I'm not just a regular life coach. I'm like an uber life coach because I've been a vocal coach for years. And now to expand it out to say like, how is teaching voice students about their instrument teaching about life and managing their lives? And I'm like, yeah, I taught young singers how to like take care of their voice, how to like look for the right things to do with their instrument. Like don't just sing a pop song because it's on the radio. And then if you want to learn that song, okay, learn it. But then also be able to hear how your voice sings it differently. Yes, definitely. And then maybe you want to write a song. So I was able to get students that came to me for voice lessons into songwriting because when they realized that the songs that they were selecting, they were looking at poetry. And then the kid would say, oh, I write poems. I'm like, oh, you're a songwriter. Oh, but I don't play an instrument. You play one that you carry around with you all the time. And the voice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but African people, we know that because that's the instrument that we use all the time. We use the whole body. Exactly, exactly. The, the whole body, right? The feet as well. You make a rhythm by stamping your feet. Right. You make a percussion by clapping your hands, and then you. The main instrument is the voice. So the whole body is just the instrument, you know. Yeah, and and look at the Bible. If you you know, I'm not really big on on the Bible for quoting scriptures and knowing the chapters and stuff. But I do know the songs that I used to sing from the Bible stories. And one of them was Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, 
Jericho, oh, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. I found out that oh, the reason... Oh, I remember that song. You remember that song? Yeah. Do you know why the walls came tumbling down? Uh, I don't remember the, word, the, the Bible verse itself. They it's were, quite a while back since I heard it. Yeah, but they were doing... You know what they were doing? I believe... Ho! 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 And you get enough people doing that, oh. the walls are going to come tumbling down. Because <laughs> it's just brick. It's just sand. You know, these are yes. natural resources that they make buildings out of. We are the natural yes. resource. Yes. We are in tune so with that part of nature. So when we make a joyful mm. sound, when we are calling out to God, that reverberates. Mm. It never ends. Sound doesn't end. Yes. yes. So when, you know, like we were bringing things down, that's why when I married that beautiful man, it was at the time mm. that apartheid and Mandela, everything, I mean, my husband went to vote for the first time in his life in New York City. Yes. And we were like, what? And every South African came out to vote because it was the first time and there was long lines in New York City for everybody to vote. Yeah. That was a momentous day, eh? That, that was a momentous, ooh, momentous ooh. day. And the ballot was beautiful. Wasn't the ballot beautiful? You were too young. No, I was like two years at the time. <laughs> yeah, but the ballot was beautiful because it had all of the political parties with pictures and their what they believed in. Yeah. So it wasn't just like the United States. It's like a little ballot. But the, the South African first voting rights ballot was like gorgeous. I put it in a frame. Yeah. I put it in a frame because I was like, this is history and it's oh, nice. beautiful. It wow. is beautiful history. Look at what we've done. That's awesome. Wasn't it? And my husband was so happy. He was so happy and then he was like, I just want to go home. And I was like, let's go. Let's go. He's like, no. <laughs> I want to buy a house here. And I was like, I don't. I want to go to South Africa and buy a house there. And she was like, no, the land there is, you know, there's too much violence still, you know. And he would go home a lot. He worked with Jonathan Butler. He was still working with Huey. And um, they were always going home. They were always going home, touring, doing things, and then leaving. So Jonathan Butler lived in California. Hugh Masakela, he, he lived in New York and California and somewhere else. He did not live in South Africa. Miriam Makeba lived in South Africa. She left with her student visa and all that stuff. And then when it was time to come back, she came back and stayed. But not everybody who came back stayed when they came back. They didn't come back, I should say. They visited. They yeah. voted. Mandela was president. Everything was great. But they didn't go back to stay. Like, my husband didn't want to go home. And I was like, you're Paul Simon, the Graceland bass player. You need to go home. He's like, yeah, when I go home one day, I'll open up a music school and I'll do this and I'll do that. And I'm like, dude, 
we started a corporation here in the United States. Let's go to South Africa with this corporation. Let's start a business over there. Let's go there and do this. And he was like, no, this is your country. I want you to be where your family is. And I was like, fuck my family. (laughs) (laughs) Because our family fought a lot. We fought a lot in our family. And my husband fought a lot in his family. He had an uncle that was showing off his gun to his family and shot his sister by accident. So, like, and it wasn't even, like, anger in the family. It was just stupidity. And he lost an auntie. So, you know, he was like, I don't want to go home. (laughs) And I was like, oh, no. We've got these beautiful children. And we had another one. So then I'm, like, trying to learn my Zulu and bring as much of South African culture to my daughters, waiting for my husband to want to go home. And then we got he got booked on the uh, Joy of Jazz Festival. And then we went home with the kids. And I was pretty... I was starting to get sicker with multiple sclerosis but I wasn't noticing it like that but we were able to like go home see the the, his son his wife and the daughter that they had Popso and then my kids and those kids they just all blended to such a beautiful family it was like a magnet it literally was like a magnet and I just realized what a bounty I had in a family in South Africa. And then I met my sister-in-law, my husband's sister. Yes. So her, their apartheid story is that when, so it was the same mother and the same father, but when the, the mother yes. and the father got back together to have the second child, she came very fair-skinned and the father didn't want her oh, okay. and he didn't want her he said that it wasn't his child because her skin oh, was fair that's interesting. it was painful it was mm. painful so his mother so what happened to the child um the parents separated and the kid was separated they just separated. So now the two children are yeah. as a one family. So it was like one parent uh, that wanted the lighter child, which was the mother. And the father didn't yes. want the child, but wanted the son. But he didn't yes. take care of the son. He didn't help the son. Yes. He didn't. I think he gave his son like a watch once. And that was all he had from his father when I met him and married him. And he was like a yeah. little boy. He was like, my dad gave me this watch. And I was like, how old are you, motherfucker? And you're saying this like you're a child? But literally, his father had given him the watch when he was a child, and he just carried it around. It didn't work. It just yes. was his memory of his dad. And his dad was a well-known yeah. musician. This is what I found out. And his mother was a singer. So the mother and father hooked oh. up in the band and made a child, Bagiti. And then when they broke up yes. because the father, the mother's with the child, and the father went off with the band. Mm. And when the father came back, 
he hooked up with the mother again, made another child. The child was born looking light-skinned. The father left again with the band and said, that's not my kid. Yes. And that was apartheid. That was during apartheid. And, you know, going away, like, if you went away, you had to go away. You had to, like, hide. Yeah, that's how it was. You know what I mean? That um, the family family separated a lot back then. Because uh, usually the father had to go to work for the white man somewhere far. And then the mother was left alone with the children. And that was just a common story back then. And his father's a musician, so it's not like he was going to work for the white man. He was even worse. The white mm. the white people didn't mm. didn't like musicians. The white musicians yeah. I, I think what I learned is the white musicians loved the townships. They used yes. to come and hide and sneak into the townships all the time because they wanted to play the music. And that's why my husband mm. had so many white musician friends. Because they used to sneak into the mm. township. And they knew that he was a badass bass player back then when he was yes. growing up because he was like in the townships tearing it up and because his uncle was playing the saxophone and had his little group of music you know there were so many little small bands of people that were playing music together that knew how to play music together i think that it felt from what i remember the way he described it it sounded like the townships at night were almost like a festival Oh yeah, no, I, 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 I heard some stories I had. When there was a party, it was a big one. <laughs> yeah, it was a big one. It was a big one. And when we went Definitely. home, when we went home with the girls, we, his sister said, now that you're back in the family and we're back together again, I haven't had a man to do my daughter's memola. She's like, now the girls can have their mamola. Because my brother's home. And I was like, whoa, how old are your daughters? Because I thought she was going to... Well, we're at the end of this wonderful interview with Percy. He gave you all the locations that you can find him online. Make sure you check in. Let him know that you listen to the podcast when you send him a message. And keep in touch with me on my website. Become a patron, a subscriber on my website to help me do podcasts like this one. My website is robbykumalo.com. Let me sing it for you. R-O-B-B-I-K-U-M-A-L-O.com. And have a great day and I'll see you on the next podcast. I post about every three weeks a new podcast. So make sure you subscribe so that you can get notified. Love you. Have a great day.